If you're a veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneurial experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of the bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs branding team. In the following episode of The Transition, I'm joined by Army veteran and Bunker Labs OG, AJ Orr, founder and CEO of Simple Plan IT, a company that helps business leaders manage the digital risks that threaten the existence of their business, taking the confusion out of the IT process and proving to leaders that investing in new technology can be practical, effective, and stress-free. AJ is also the author of The Art and War of Business Technology, Simple Tactics for Conquering IT and Cybersecurity Challenges on the Small Business Battlefield. On the show, he opens up about his struggle to find balance as a father of five, cancer survivor, and an award-winning entrepreneur who's constantly battling himself to live up to the legacy he wants to leave behind. We also talk about the loss of his identity and community that he felt once he left the military and how he found it again as a veteran entrepreneur. Before you hear from AJ and I, be sure to subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. I'd also like to encourage you to check out my first book, Black Veteran Entrepreneur, Validate Your Business Model, Build Your Brand, and Step Into Greatness, available on Amazon and the show notes as well. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, MetLife Foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources the veterans, and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. AJ, my man, welcome back to the bunker. You're OG, Bunker Labs ambassador. You and I have been messaging back and forth on Slack channels uh, through the veterans and residents and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, we've known of each other, but this is the first time we've, able, we've actually gotten to sit down and chop it up, man. So I appreciate you making time to come on the platform today. It is, it's been far too long in the making, but I'm glad we're able to put this thing together finally. AJ's looking sharp, y'all. He's got his blazer on, got the V-neck, got his, got his background going. Meanwhile, I'm in here in Newark. I got my Newark hat on, got my beard. I just got back from uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. So I was out there with my coaching group, um, um, the Lions Pride, you know, get energized. I, I like to break up the quarters, AJ. I don't know about you, but if you don't break up the quarters as a business owner, it's like rolling into the new year without a holiday. There's no Christmas. There's no Thanksgiving. You just go, go, go. So one of the things I've learned is like having a start and end point of each quarter, you know, typically every 90 days, right? Just to get reset uh, mentally, physically, and spiritually. Yeah, that's not a bad idea, man. Uh, I wish that was something that I was doing because you're right. I think if you've got uh, something to work for or work towards and look forward to. And then you get that break to kind of re-energize, refocus, reset, re-aim and fire again. And then another 90 days. Um, that's not a bad cadence, man. It's not a bad cadence at all. I actually kind of like that. So AJ, do me a favor and introduce yourself to our listeners. Many of them are not unfamiliar with you because they haven't got to, uh, you know, they don't get to interact like you and I do on these other platforms. 
Absolutely. So uh, my name's AJ Orr. I'm the I'm an Army veteran. I'm also the founder and CEO of Simple Plan IT, which is a uh, U.S.-based digital risk management firm. So we've got a U.S.-based security operations center where we specialize in helping businesses uh, minimize their digital risk from both internal and external threats in real time. So if you've got a uh, disgruntled employee that's secretly downloading files and stealing uh, sensitive information, we're able to see that stuff in real time and stop it before they have a chance to impact the business. Um, and so that's what uh, my day-to-day -day job is. Uh, it's what pays the bills. And then uh, on, on the backside of things, uh, I'm super passionate about helping veterans. And so as Mike alluded to earlier, I'm one of the uh, state leaders here in Ohio for Bunker Labs and uh, specialize in helping veterans and veteran spouses who want to be entrepreneurs. So anything that I can do to help connect them with resources, uh, get them access to information and things that they need in order to be successful, then I'm super, super passionate about those things. So not only do you run, you run your business, you have a family. I do. I've got five kids, my man. That's five a, kids. That's a fire team plus right there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So our oldest uh, will actually be 18 next month. So he's a senior in high school this year. So I've got an 18 year old and then I've got a nine year old, a five year old, a three year old and a three month old. So I man. shoot the gamut, man. Congratulations. I don't know how y'all do it as entrepreneurs, right? How are you able to keep the family time? Uh, is it is it a hustle just like anything else you find you get energized from it um it's it's my wife I, i'm not even gonna pretend like i have it all under control my wife holds it down and then at the same time uh she tries to pull me back in whenever i'm going too hard in other directions and saying hey look you need to take some take a couple of steps back and spend some time with the family so she keeps me in check and she helps me to balance things out but yeah 100 percent couldn't do it without her absolutely not one of the things i think is is interesting for entrepreneurs is like particularly, you know, when you have a family as being that provider, that protector, right? And entrepreneurship, you know, it's hard, right? You're in the trenches every single day, right? You don't, you don't just have that paycheck coming in. You create the paycheck. You manage right. the cash flow and the payroll and all that other stuff. So how do you find, um, how do you protect yourself mentally, you know, from all the challenges that come with being an entrepreneur while also the responsibilities of the family? I know you said- yeah. I know you said your wife obviously plays a big role, but she just does. for you mentally, how do you process that? Um, for me, it, it's it's still finding those pockets where you can mentally disconnect and decompress throughout the day. Um, and so I'm a I, so I'm getting back into the gym, uh, but the gym was always my my sanctuary, you know, where I could go in. It's me and the weights. It's me, me and the cardio, and, and we're just going at it. Um, and it, it allows me to clear my mind, level set out, prioritize things for that day, and then I just go and attack it. Um, I've always been really good as far as prioritizing things and being able to take a step back and look at things from the micro level and then strategically operate there and then get down into the micro and execute. Um, and I think that's one of the things as an entrepreneur, you have to be really good at that, being able to look and navigate things from a micro level, but then be able to get down instantly into the micro and execute because it's all about execution. All the, all the playing in the world means nothing if you don't put action and execution behind it. Yeah, no, man, a hundred percent. I just wonder sometimes like carrying that risk, right? Does it make you, I don't know, like you have to process risk differently than I do because I have a girlfriend, but I don't have any kids yet. Versus you, you know, you've got five kids to take care of. So like you probably, you know, you, you look at risk a lot differently, right? And you th I think oh, yeah. about that as it relates to a lot of veterans as they transition is because 
you know, for a lot of people, they do come out, they have families, they have mortgages, they have all these things. And we're selling this dream of entrepreneurship. But as you and I both know, that comes with a lot of risk. You got to have a high risk tolerance. And so, you know, it's one thing to do it when it's just you, but then when you have a family you're responsible for, right? You're not just accepting this risk by yourself. You're bringing that, you're putting that risk and that burden on them as well. Well, and not only that, but once you get to the point where you've got employees, you're assuming that risk for them as well. And so it's not just me and my family that my decisions now impact. It's all of the families of every employee that is on my payroll. Now, now they're responsible. Now I'm responsible for them as well. So, so that's a whole nother set of, um, I, I don't say risk, but just pressure that we have to be able to navigate as as entrepreneurs and as business leaders, being able to navigate that. And I think that's why I said it's important to have that, that, that mental, st that, that, that space every day to where you can just mentally focus in on what it is that you're supposed to be doing, how you're supposed to be doing it so that you can put execution behind it. Um, because you're, you're right. It can be, for, for me, it, whenever I look at it and, and I try not to focus on it too much, because whenever you look at it, it's a, it, it can be a very overwhelming weight that you put on your shoulders. Um, but, you know, as, as one of my drill sergeants told me back when I was going through basic training, um, I was built to handle this, you know? And so I, I carry that mentality with me everywhere I go. It's like, all right, this is hard. Yeah, this sucks. But you know what? I was, I was built to handle this. I was made to overcome this. And I, I believe that with every grain and fiber of my being. And so then I just go out and figure out a way to make it happen because failure is not an option. Uh, and that's just the way that I kind of operate with it. I love it, man. That's what gave me the comfort, the confidence to step in this entrepreneur arena because I feel like it was in me too. You know, I just had to feel that heat and prove it to myself as well. Because it's one thing to read about it. You know, there's all these different programs. Everybody's saying better oh, entrepreneur, yeah. veterans make great entrepreneurs. But I knew that going in full time would challenge me in a way I couldn't get just doing it, you know, as a side hustle. And I was like, man, if I don't do it now, I might never do it. So I jumped in so I can relate to you 100% on that. Yep. Now, let me ask you this, because I, I don't know how it's been for you, but I know for me, especially early on, um, it was all mental. Like I had to mentally get out of my own way and at the same time accept and realize that I am capable of doing this. Like I'll never forget the first time that I started getting into rooms that, you know, me, I felt like I'm like, I don't belong in these rooms. Like I'm in the rooms with, with people that you know, are way smarter than me, with make way more money than I do. I'm like, why am I in this room? I'm so inadequate. I don't fit in here. But then, you know, it took me some time to realize, wait a minute, I do belong here. I'm in these rooms for a reason. Like they didn't invite me here just out of the kindness of their heart. It's because I bring value and I had to believe and trust in the value that I bring. And so, like I said, it's, it's all mental, especially for in the very beginning, as, as you're pushing out and you're trying new things and, and you're pushing those boundaries to continue to grow and expand. Um, it's, it's all mental and believing that you can do it. Or at least that's the way it was for me. So did you kind of experience the same thing on your side? Man, a hundred percent. That's when I had to start meditating, right? Like I had never really meditated before, but when I was dealing with all the pressure and anxiety, having liquidated my savings, all the uncertainty, it was just a change, right? It's like that transition. So it's funny for us. I think we're always in the transition, right? So like there's that big transition when you first get out the military, right? Then there's that transition when you start having kids or something, or then you start that business, then there's that other transition. So I was dealing with it. But the thing I felt as an entrepreneur was I felt like naked. Like I felt really exposed. You know what I'm saying? Like it's one thing that. when you're that DD214 
and you're kind of out in the world. But at the end of the day, I still kind of had a job I was going into. So I had a little security there, right? But when I left, <laughs> I jumped out the airplane with no parachute. So mentally, you're right. I was dealing with all this stuff in my head. And through meditation, I realized that you can separate your thoughts from reality. So just because I'm feeling this inside doesn't necessarily mean uh, people see me as such, right? Like you said, limited Absolutely. beliefs, talking yourself down. So yeah, I had to invest a lot of time reading, listening to podcasts, just doing everything I could to build myself mentally. But I'll tell you now, I'm even still dealing with some confidence things because I'm constantly pushing to get to that next level. You know, I'm way more confident than I was obviously three years ago, but you know, I just started coaching with the Lions Pride, Ironbound Media's growing, we raised our prices. So there's a lot, you know, I wrote a book, right? So I'm constantly Congrats, putting myself yep. at the edge of my own comfort zone. But at least now I'm aware of what that feels like. Well, and I think that you you have to continue to put yourself in the in those uncomfortable situations because otherwise you're not going to grow. You're not going to continue to expand and develop. And, and so I completely understand where you're at as far as, you know, I'm, I'm constantly pushing the envelope. I'm constantly pushing out and seeing what else that I can do, what else that I'm capable of. Um, and, you know, it's one of the things that it's funny. I was just talking, I had a conversation with my daughter uh, last week. She, she's nine. And. Um, I was like, look, I was like, don't be, because she puts so much pressure on herself to be perfect. I was like, look, babe. I was like, nobody's perfect. I was like, everybody makes mistakes. I was like, I make mistakes every day. I said, but you know what? I was like, me making mistakes means that I'm trying, I'm pushing myself further. I'm trying new things. I was like, if I never make a mistake, that means I'm already doing stuff that I know how to do. That means I'm not growing. That means I'm stagnated. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm level set. I was like, so you got to keep pushing. I was like, don't be afraid to make mistakes. I was like, every mistake means that you're growing, you're learning. I was like, and that's what life is all about. As soon as you stop learning and growing, I was like, then what are you really doing here for? And so, uh, yeah, that's the way that I feel when it comes to, to entrepreneurship. Uh, it's like, you know, all of the stuff that I've gone through, um, the hard times, the, the the hard lessons learned, you know, now I'm looking at it, I'm in a phase of, of life now where it's like, okay, how can I take those lessons learned, uh, the resources that I've been given access to, whether it be financial or human capital resources, how can I use my Rolodex and all the resources and everything that I have at my disposal, how can I use those to help somebody else? Um, because now it's all about impact and legacy, you know, and that's that, that's really where my mindset is now. I love that, man. Let me ask you this, right? One of the things we do on the show is we take off our armor and get vulnerable. So what is something that's keeping you up at night? What are you struggling with currently? Um, the big challenge is always balance, man. Um, because as an entrepreneur, um, I've always got a million ideas of, of things that I want to do. I was like, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to try that. And I've gotten to a point now where it's like, okay, I have to self audit. I, I can't do it all. They may be good ideas or they may be horrible ideas, but I'm a big believer in, hey, let's try it all and see what sticks and see what you can make work. Um, and, and so with that, the thing that keeps me up is always time. You know, do I have time to do all the things in which I think that I can accomplish? You know, I'm, I'm fighting and pushing against myself. And, and so let me take two steps back. So um, I, I think I mentioned or think you mentioned I, I wrote a book. I wrote a book back in, in 2020. Uh, the Art of War and Business Technology. It's gone on to win three awards. It's, doing, it's done phenomenal. It's done way more than what I ever thought it would do. Um, but in the book, um, I mentioned that the reason I wrote the book was that 2020 came in, 
it was it was 2020. I turned 40 in 2020. My birthday was in January. So I was like 20 plus 20 is 40. 2020 vision. I'm like, all the numbers, all the signs are lining up. This is going to be a phenomenal year for, for me. And so uh, that's the way I came into 2020. Uh, things go were going well. Then March hits, the world shuts down. And then uh, it was like April or May. And then I get diagnosed with, with cancer. And so that it was like a boom, a, a hit in a brick wall. And I was just like, okay, well, what do I do from here? And it was thyroid cancer. Everything's good now. They went in, took it out, and, and everything is, is, is clean lines and, and everything's good. But whenever I first got diagnosed, the doctor said, well, AJ, you know, the good thing is you got diagnosed with thyroid cancer. It's the best form of cancer because it's, easy, it's highly treatable. Um, but in my mind, I started thinking, well, what if that's not the case for me? Because it's not 100% success rate. So there's got to be something on the opposite side. You know, not everybody walks away from this thing. So what if I'm on that smaller percentage side where this is the beginning of the end for me? And it got me to thinking, one, it put me in touch that, hey, I'm mortal. Like this thing isn't guaranteed forever. And so that's why I started to shift my focus and thoughts on what's my impact and legacy. Because if that was going to be the beginning of the end for me, I didn't feel like I had done enough to to make my kids proud. I didn't feel like I had done enough to leave a legacy behind of, yes, this is the mark that AJ left on this planet. This is why he was here. And I didn't feel like I had, I had accomplished that. I mean, I was successful by my own right, but um, I, I didn't feel like I had left a mark and I had made an impact on others. And so that's what shifted everything for me was, was that touch of mortality to say, hey, look, uh, this thing isn't guaranteed forever. So you need to go and make sure that you're you're making the most out of every situation, that you're making the most out of every day, and that you're living up to your true potential. And, and so it, it very much became a battle against me. You know, so I'm always battling against myself. I'm I'm, I'm not. So that's why I say whenever you ask what, what's keeping me up at night, it's can I live up to the legacy that I believe that I can leave behind? Because that's what I'm chasing. I'm chasing that right now. I'm chasing impact and legacy. How many people can I help? How many people can I can I make an impact to, on? How many lives can I change with with the resources and the time that I have on this earth? And so that's what I'm chasing, man. I appreciate you sharing that, man. That's powerful. Uh, one, congratulations as you've pushed through this fight with cancer. You know, um, I know that's got to be difficult on you mentally, physically, and spiritually as well as your family. But not only are you going through that, but still taking the time to inspire others is super powerful. And I will tell you too, man, I, uh, I think the thing that I'm most fearful of is not reaching my own potential. That's me taking off my armor, whatever that is. I don't know if it's a financial thing, uh, not necessarily like monetary or impact related, just like right. me just not reaching my potential, which is why I'm always challenging myself into, you know, new things, reading. I wrote my first book, like you said, doing content and podcasts. So again, I feel like you and I are kindred spirits in a lot of regards. I would love for you to take us back um, to your transition from the military becoming a, to becoming an entrepreneur. How did you make that, that happen? Um, so I didn't make the, the direct leap and, and really, well, so let's break this up into, into this question up into two phases. So let's talk about the transition out of the military. My transition out of the military was horrible. Um, partly because I didn't know anything. You know, I went in at 17, got out at 21. And so the early adult years of my life, I lived in military service. And so, you know, I didn't do a lot of the things that most people do after they graduate. So, um, but whenever I really look back at, at the struggles, there were two things that I lost whenever I transitioned out that I didn't realize that they were so impactful. And the first was I lost my identity. I didn't know who I was outside of the uniform. 
you know, in the uniform, I was part of something bigger than myself, this big ideation of, of protecting freedom and democracy, foreign and domestic. You know, so I, I was part of something bigger than me. Outside of the uniform, I was just AJ, and I didn't know who AJ was. I didn't know where I fit in. Um, and I, I really didn't know what direction I was supposed to be going in. So that was the first challenge. The second challenge that I thought, which was equally, that I realized was equally as impactful was I lost my community. You know, whenever I transition out, you know, like I tell civilians, I was surrounded 24 seven, 365 by people that at least thought and functioned the same way I do uh, whenever I was in military service. And I, and I tell them, I was like, it's a, it's a unique environment. I said, like, because we could hate each other, but I know that when it's time to go to work, I could trust you to do your job and protect my life. And you could trust me to do the same because the mission came first. Everybody coming, came, coming home came second. And then after that, we can go back to our petty beef and squabbles. I was like, and you don't find that in the civilian world. And so losing my identity and losing my community, not knowing where I fit into the world um, was, was a challenge. And I tell people, I was like, I went in between both wars. I never saw combat, never got deployed overseas, but it still took me three to four years to really acclimate to civilian lifestyle because I was missing those two things. And so that, you know, that made it hard. Uh, you know, I understand, you know, everybody talks about the, the, the number 22 and there's 22 veterans that commit suicide every day. And there's, there's a lot of people that are starting to bring awareness to it, which I think is great. Um, but I understand it and I can feel it because like I said, I never saw combat. I never saw, I never got deployed overseas, but I went through those depressing times. I went through, you know, if I didn't have a strong faith and family background, I could have been one of the 22. And so I'm thankful for that. And that's also one of the reasons why I want to give back. So um, I stumbled my way through and, and by the grace of God, I was able to find my way and find my path. Um, but on the, on the flip side, when we talk about entrepreneurship, I tell people entrepreneurship found me. You know, I wasn't, I didn't set out to be an entrepreneur. I, I was never going to say, I was never the one that said, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make my mark. Um, no, it really just kind of fell in my lap. Uh, at, back in 2008, 2009, um, I was working for an IT company. I was their front end account management, project management, and sales. Um, and I always just led with integrity. I knew that the solution that I represented at that point in time. I knew the strengths, I knew the weaknesses. And so there were times whenever I would come across opportunities where the solution I represented wasn't the best for the, for the client. And so I would tell them, hey, look, you know, we could do it. It's not going to be the best. It's going to be kind of clunky. But these guys over here, they specialize in what it is that you need. Go talk to so-and-so over there. They'll take good care of you, just something that I sent you. And all I ask for in return is next time you hear somebody talk about IT issues, just give me first cracks as a referral. Um, and so, like I said, I wasn't looking for anything and I did that a few times and then people started coming back and saying, Hey, AJ, we trust what you said. You understand what it is that we're trying to do. Can you sit in on our meeting with us? Because we talked to your guy and we didn't understand anything that he said. Can you make sure that we're not getting oversold on stuff and that we're actually getting what it is that we actually need? I said, sure. No problem. Once again, didn't ask for anything. Wasn't looking to make a paycheck off of this. Um, and then one time I do this and at the end of the meeting, gentleman by the name of John, he gives me an envelope. He's like, hey, your time is worth something. Take it. And so he wouldn't let me leave without it. I get in the car and open it up. It was a check for 500 bucks. I was like, holy shit, I just made $500 for 30, 45 minutes of doing nothing but being a translator. So I said, well, next time I, next time somebody asks me, I'll see if there'd be one to pay for my time. And sure enough, it happened again. And I said, are you going to pay for my time? And they said, well, what's, what's your rate? And, you know, sheepishly, I was like, $100. And of course they happily paid it. But once again, it goes to, <clears throat> it goes to the point that I wasn't trying to be an entrepreneur. I already had somebody that gave me $500. Why didn't I start there? Instead, I started at $100, which was, oh, excuse me, my voice. Yeah. But 
But that goes to show, you know, like I said, I was leading with integrity and that's how I got into entrepreneurship. And that's literally how I started my business was uh, after that being a virtual CIO for small businesses and helping them to make sure that they're utilizing technology the best they could within their organization. So I think this is important for our listeners to understand. We talk about this idea of are you pushing or pulling on the marketplace, right? Like a pull is, you know, people are already asking you for this advice, basically, right? They're like, hey, will you sit in on this meeting? You know, we really appreciate this and that, right? So you knew there was a demand for what you were doing, but as you start to build out your business, get already validated it because people were already paying you versus like, oh, I have this great idea, but is anybody really asking me for advice? Is really anybody coming to me with the pain for this particular problem? So kudos to you for identifying that. And I want our listeners to do the same thing. So you go, all right, so you're doing this kind of consultant like work, getting paid. At what point did you say, okay, I need to scale this up and turn it into a sustainable business. Um, I was three years in and actually three, almost four years in. And I realized that I couldn't scale it the way that I wanted to. Um, it was hard for me to find. I had a unique skill set is what ultimately I ended up finding out, which was I understood technology and I understood business and I could communicate well on a on a basic level to where I didn't talk down to people. And I was, it was easy for me to take complex things and break them down and get them for, uh, and make them easy for people to understand who didn't not have a background in technology. Um, whenever I tried to get IT people and, you know, get them to do what it is that I was doing, it was horrible because, you know, they would ultimately end up talking down to clients. And so I would, I would lose things. And so that was bad. So then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go get a good communicator. I'm going to teach him just enough about technology to where he can do what it is that I can do so I can multiply myself. Um, and that was equally as bad. And so I came to a realization. I was like, all right, look, I was like, at this stage in the game, um, I can either continue to do this and really, I, I really kind of compared myself to uh, like a solo practice uh, doctor office, you know, if, if he's seeing clients, then they're making money. But if they're not seeing clients, then they have no revenue coming in. And that's the way that I viewed it. I was like, so I can run projects and I can see clients as a consultant and, and I can do that and make good money. I was making, you know, a good six figure income and I would just have to manage my money right because it wasn't something that I could leave my kids. It's not something that they could come in and take over unless they had that same skill set. Um, so I could do that. That was option one or option two was I could try to find something else in the technology vein that I could start to build around and actually build a business around that I could then leave to my kids because I can teach them business. I can't teach them technology. Um, and so that's why I started to look at. And about that time, uh, cybersecurity started to become a really big thing. And so we, we made some moves and investments and started to get into cybersecurity and then 2000. Uh, 17, we, we launched our security operations center and started running it from there. How big is your team currently? Uh, we're 135 now. That's a lot of people. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of people. Some days it's, it's more fun than others, but <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot. So going back to the earlier discussion, we're talking about, you know, every decision that you make and the families that it, it affects and impacts, uh, once you get to that point, you know, I have to be careful with the decisions I make. So it helps me to, to tamper my aggressiveness because by nature, I am super aggressive. I am, I am high risk. Uh, I don't mind taking the risk, especially if it's just me. Oh yeah, if it's me, I'm taking all the risk. But now that I realize that, hey, there's a, my actions have, have consequences and impacts on those who are reaching beyond me, I have, to, I have to tamper that down. So now 
I'm not going to say that I'm risk adverse, but I am a lot more cautious and I make sure that I'm taking calculated risk rather than just being uh, extremely reckless like I did early on because I ran at things with reckless abandon because it just impacted me. I just want to take a pause for our listeners, right? This is the caliber of entrepreneurs we got in the Barker Lab ecosystem, all right? AJ's time is literally worth $10,000 a minute. And he's given us, you know, some time here today. And he also volunteers as an ambassador in Ohio. So you already know he's got a family of five. That's a fire team plus, you know, wife, kids, and that company. Man, that's why, dude, I mean, you're amazing. That's all I want to say. I know how hard, I know how hard it is to be a leader. You know, I was a platoon commander, right? I haven't had that big of a company. I don't want to have that big of a company, to be quite frank. That's not my zone <laughs> of genius. But I understand the challenges that come with managing an organization that big and then also dealing with, like you say, that payroll. Because I think for us as veterans, right, you're never going to be responsible for someone's life like you were in combat. But make no mistake, when people are relying on you for that paycheck, when they're relying on you to put food on the table for them and their family, <laughs> that is not a small burden to carry. No, it, it's, it's almost the same <clears throat> because you, you literally are. Well, I, I would almost, like I said, slight edge to, to combat and, and military service when it comes to that, that level of responsibility. Um, because, you know, it's not just that person that you're employing that you're writing that check for. It's their, their wife and their kids and their kids' futures because they all plan on that. And so if, if I was to, you know, make a bad decision and make a wrong investment or make a wrong move and I take it to zero, well, AJ feels comfortable going to zero and coming back up. I'm cool with that. But am I, am I confident that employee 135 can do the same? I don't know if they, they're not built like that. They're not built like me. And so as a leader, you, you have to take that into accountability as well as you're growing your teams and, you know, not to put so much pressure on yourself, but understand that it is real because the decisions you make will impact others. Um, and so, yeah, I've had people ask me, you know, you're at 135 now, where are you looking to go? Um, and I'm good at 135. Like, I, I, I tip my hat to those that run organizations that are 500, 800, 4,000 employees, because that just blows my mind. Um, but I was in a, I was in a, a leadership uh, course uh, last week and the guy was telling me, he's like, hey, he's like, 135 is the tipping point. He's like, at 135, you can still have good relationships with all of your people. Once you go over 135, then you have to change the dynamic of your business and the structure of it uh, because you have to put more, more, more management and more, more separation in things because you, there's no way that you can be one-on-one and have relationships with everybody once you get over 135. Um, and he's like, there's a bunch of science that goes along with it. But that was just fascinating to me to realize that I was at that mark and I've been feeling that pressure of where do I want to go? Do I want to go to that next level? Because for me, if I'm at 135 now, the next level is going to 500. You know, how do I go from 135 to 500? Maybe 250, but really the next mark is 135 to 500. And do I want to get to that mark? What does that look like? And to be honest with you, Mike, I don't know if I want to take that leap. I, I really don't. I think that I'm comfortable. I'm starting to get comfortable where I'm at. You know, now a few years from now, I might be in a different position. I might change my mind. But as it stands right now, if you ask me, hey, today there's an opportunity. You can go acquire a company. You can go from 135 to 250. I'm passing. I'm not going to take it. Um, just because I'm not. I'm not. I'm not there yet. Uh, mentally, 
I'm not there yet. And there's a lot of other things that I still want to do, but that's where being self-aware comes in. You know, when you were asking before, you know, what keeps you up at night and, you know, how do, how do you manage all that? Self-awareness, man. Um, being aware that, you know, there, there are seasons where I'll go in and I'll run a mile a minute and I'm, I'm, I'm charging, I'm, I'm charging ahead and I'm moving as fast as I can. Um, but I can only do that for so long. And I, I realized that, you know, earlier this year, I was running hard for about four and a half months straight. Um, and I got to the point where I was like, you know what? <clears throat> I went in for my annual checkout with my doc. And I was like, look, I was like, right now, I was like, I got three more weeks of this project where I'm running hard. I was like, but I know that I'm at burnout point. Um, I feel it. I know it. My body feels run down. I'm not working out like I used to. I'm not eating the way that I should be. My sleep is going to crap. I was like, but I'm, I'm, I'm aware of this. And she was like, the fact that you can tell me this, she's like, lets me know that I'm not, I'm not concerned for you. Run through these three weeks, get through them, and then make sure that you take a break and that you get back on track and that you recharge. But it's, it's all self-awareness, man. That's the only way that I can do all the things that I'm doing, um, especially trying to do them at a high level, is being truly self-aware and understand these are my strengths, these are my weaknesses, this is where I'm falling short and constantly being in tune. So once again, that that little bit of day where I'm looking for clear moments of time where I can just clear my head, I'm doing self audits on, okay, how do I feel physically? Where am I at? What have I, what have I been doing? And just checking myself to make sure that I can continue to run at optimal speeds and, and efficiency. How do you measure success as an entrepreneur? You know, a lot of times people are like, oh, you got a big company. Cool. You know, they won't ask you about the size of your company. They ask you revenue. But then you start thinking about, like, what do you care about? Like, what does success look like for you at the end of the day? Um, that's a that, that is a great question. Uh, and it's something that I don't break it down specifically for my business. I break it down on I look at it from a life pers perspective. You know, for me, success is being able to do the things that you want to do when you want to do them, how you want to do them, and, and loving every minute of it. You know, people ask me all the time, like, AJ, how do you do all the things that you do? It's because I actually love the things that I'm doing. Every aspect of it, I love. I love running a business. I love cybersecurity because I love the whole being able to solve problems and managing, helping people to manage risk and helping people to understand different things that they don't understand when it comes to technology. I love that aspect of it. I love running projects. Um, but on the other side, I love being able to help veterans to transition. So that's why I'm super involved with Bunker Labs and, and really trying to help grow entrepreneurship and trying to help, you know, just help veterans that are transitioning out, help them find gainful employment or help them to launch a business. I'm passionate about it. I love that. I love every bit of it. Um, I love spending time and hanging out with the kids, you know, so everything that I do I truly enjoy it. So it's not work for me. I can, I can run a mile a minute and continue to go on because I truly, truly enjoy it. And so for me, that's how I define success. It's, are you doing the things that you love to do? And are you able to live the life that you want to live? And if you are, then you're winning, you know? And, and I talk about it a little bit in my book, you know, I've got a friend, love her to death. I make more money than she does, um, but she's a, she's a freelance writer. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. I mean, she takes the craziness that's in my head and she turns it into eloquent words and uh, I, I love her to death. But um, she loves being outside. She's an outdoors person and, and, a, and a free spirit. So she, if, if in an ideal world, she would be in the wintertime and fall, she's out on the slope skiing. And then during the rest of the time, she's out hiking and teaching people how to hike and do all these things. 
And so she does just enough work so she can live that life. And I told her all the time, I was like, you're an inspiration to me because you're living your truth. You're living the truth that you want. You don't make as much money as I do, but money doesn't move you. So you're living your truth. I was like, and therefore you're an inspiration to me. I was like, and you will always be an inspiration to me. And so uh, if somebody is living their truth, their true authentic self, then to me, that's success. And that's what I chase for myself. Did you always know that? You know, so, you know, we start our businesses, you're on the entrepreneur hamster wheel. At what point did you say, okay, am I enjoying what I'm doing? And am I building the systems, the left and right lateral limits that allow me to do so? It's like, in my case, I enjoy podcasting. I enjoy writing, right? Those are things that fill me up and energize me. Because I look at my own, like, BHAG, North Star in the sky. That's what I want to do. I just, I literally enjoy what I do. But again, for me, I didn't even know that that was possible as an entrepreneur until I started working with, you know, my coach, Bill Watkins, who showed me that there's this higher level of entrepreneurship out there. Yeah. um, I'd be lying to you if I said I did. Um, Nope. I didn't come into that realization, Mike, to be honest with you, until I had that whole cancer scare because it got me to really evaluate life and look at everything and put things in perspective. Had that not happened, um, I wouldn't be doing all of the things that I'm doing right now because I'd be too busy chasing the dollar. Um, because I was, I, I was chasing the next deal. How big can we get? And, and money was a big motivating factor in, in what I was chasing to be considered to be successful. Uh, it, it was, I, I use money as the, as the benchmark. If I'm making X amount of dollars, you know, I got to get to the 50 million mark. And once I get to the 50 million, I got to get to the hundred million mark. And that's what I was chasing. Um, that is literally, those were literally my goals were revenue based goals. And, you know, once I had that cancer scare, it's just like, okay, wait a minute, your priorities are out of whack because even if you got to the 50 million, that doesn't mean that you've made an impact on anybody. That just means that you were really good at amassing wealth. But, uh, you know, what were you able to do with it? You know, whose lives were you able to change and impact with it? You know, you, 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 you made all of this money, but did you spend time with your kids? Because I wasn't spending a lot of time with them. I wasn't, I wasn't aware. I didn't have the self-awareness that I have now. And like I said, it took that, that, that touch of mortality to get me to take a step back and really start to identify, look at myself and put things in perspective. And that's when I, I became really self-aware on, Hey, this is, this is the game that you should be playing. Um, you've got access to all these things and these resources, but you know, the, the network that you've built and, you know, the clients that you have, they're not just for your own gain. What can you use? Can you utilize those to help others? And so that's when things shifted for me uh, was whenever I really got got real with myself on, you know, am I happy with the life that I'm living and asking that question? I'll be honest with you. It was a hard question to ask. Uh, and it wasn't something I came up with overnight as far as an answer. You know, I dwelled and pondered on that uh, for for a few months before I came to that realization that, you know what, I need to make some changes because my priorities were all out of whack. Like, because I was chasing dollars. I, w- I, was, I was monetarily uh, motivated and I was, I was looking for the next deal. I was trying to get to, you know, this, this big dollar amount from a revenue generating standpoint and, you know, not thinking of, okay, what happens once you get there? Once you attain that monetary, that monetary value, what happens then? Are you, is that going to give you happiness? And I, the answer after pondering on it for a few months, the answer was no, it wasn't going to make me happy. So I had to start looking for the things that do make me happy and focusing on those things. And then once again, how do I tie those back to impact and legacy? Something similar happened to me. It wasn't necessarily a health scare myself, but I lost my fraternity brother 
Daryl Hunter uh, in 2021. And that just kind of shined the light on like my own mortality. Realize we yeah. all might not have as much time as we think we do. But me being yeah. like, man, like, how am I spending my days, right? Like, if I were to drop today, you know, and this is the life I have, is this it, you know? And right. so it is that when I think of balance, AJ, that's what I think of. I think of that balance between, like, chasing our ambition, but at the same time, how are we doing it in a way that allows us to live each and every day to the fullest? Um, and it's not an easy thing to do. And one of the things I'm thinking through now is manifesting the life I want to have for myself, right? And physically creating it, making it happen, you know, taking the actions, following the steps and stuff, et cetera. Uh, and I think to that point, Mike, you know, whenever I, when I look at it, I'm a project manager by trade. That's just the way that my brain works. And so, you know, even whenever I'm sitting down with clients for the first time and we're going through things, um, I'm very meticulous at the very beginning to make sure that we get super clear on where do we want to end up? What do we want the end to look like? Because if I can get a clear picture there, then it becomes a lot easier to reverse engineer and figure out what steps I need to take in order to get there. And then it, then it becomes all about execution. So that, that's why I talk about you know, being able to look at things from the micro, from, from the macro level. Okay, macro level, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to end up. This is the impact that I want to have. This is the legacy I want to leave behind. Cool. Now let's dip down into the micro. What do I need to do? What do I need to be executing against every day in order to start putting myself in that position and moving the needle towards that direction to where I can actually accomplish that? <clears throat> and then reevaluating that, you know, on a consistent basis, taking another step back on the micro. Okay, this is what I've done on the on the micro level. You know, let's look at it from the macro. This is where I'm at now. Is this still where I need to go? And so, you know, for me, it's not so much of a of a plan. It's kind of a roadmap. And I, I talk about that a little bit in the book as well as creating roadmaps for your life rather than a plan, because plans, once somebody has a plan, if things don't go exactly the way that you check them off, then people tend to get stifled and they're like, oh, then they lock up and they don't know where to go next. Whereas if you look at <clears throat> things from a macro level, work down into the micro, take a step back, look at the macro, make sure you're still on track and you're going the right direction. Or at the same time, you realize where you were headed, where you thought you needed to be. It, once you get there, it's not where you want to be. So now you can make a pivot and readjust your course. Um, but if you're not checking those things, macro, micro, macro, micro, then you'll, 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 you'll grind with your head down. And the next thing you know, 10 years have passed and then you're still no happier than what you were whenever you first started this journey. And to me, I don't have a decade to waste. You know, I don't have time like that to waste. I don't want to waste that time. I want to take advantage of every moment that I've got to make sure that I'm moving things in the direction that I want to move them in that I think is going to be putting me in the best position to, like you said, live up to my potential. Um, because once again, that's what that's who we're fighting. You know, and I think once you come to that realization that you're truly fighting yourself, like not fighting, but but you're playing against yourself, you know, because how I view success and how you view success are going to be completely different. And the good thing is that's okay. It's fine that we have different goals and objectives. We should, because we're completely different people, you know? So making sure that the life that we're living is true to ourselves and that we don't get caught up in the hype of this is what success looks like, or this is what success should be, because that doesn't mean that that's not right because success for me and success for my 18 year old, soon to be 18 year old son are going to be completely different. And for me to try to put my pressures of success on him, that's unfair for him. I'm setting him up for, for failure because we're completely different people. We operate different. 
So I need to help him put him in a position to where he can find his truth. And if I can get him in, in a position, I didn't find my truth until I was 40. If I can help him find it faster, geez, man, his life is going to be way better than mine. And that's my, that's my goal. So that's, that's the way that I look at things. I look at things from my kids' perspective of how can I put them in the position where they can find themselves before I, before I found myself. If you can find yourself at 18, 20, 22, well, now I've given my son 20 years on me. Now, imagine what he'll be able to do with 20 years of a head start of actually operating in his, in his zone of genius, in his, in his true calling and path. Man, I'm excited for that. That's the stuff that, that, that gets me excited of. Can I put my kids in a position? Can I help others be in a position to where they find their truths and their callings before I found mine at 40? And then they start operating at that high level. Man, think of the impact we can have on people. That's exciting for me. That brings me to my next question. What's your BHAG, that big, hairy, audacious goal you're working towards? And once you get there, how will you know you've won? Um, so what I'm chasing right now, um, one of the things that, that a group of us are working on here in Ohio is standing up in a uh, Ohio Veteran Chamber of Commerce. And so my big, my big hairy, audacious goal, um, I, I alluded to it before, but my big thing is I'm, I'm super passionate about helping veterans. That number 22, you know, 22 veterans commit suicide every day. How do we impact that? Um, whenever I go back and I look at my journey, like I said before, um, I battled depression and I, I went through, you know, those suicidal thoughts and tendencies and I never saw combat. And so my thing is, if we can, if we can help these veterans to one, find gainful employment and, or help them to start a business to where uh, they've got something to really live for. They can help support their families. And that takes that pressure because financial stress and strain is one of the biggest, it's one of the leading causes to divorce and depression and everything else like that. And so you've got that challenge. The other thing is if I can give them a community that they can, that they can plug into so that they don't have to feel like they're doing all this stuff on their own, then that is a, that is a big bonus as well. So, you know, that's how we, that, to me, that's how we impact that number of 22. So when you talk about a big, hairy, audacious goal, it's how do I impact and bring that number of 22 veterans committing suicide every day? How do I bring that down? And I think that by giving them, giving them a community to plug into here in Ohio for veterans that are coming back to Ohio, giving them a community they can plug into so they, don't realize, so they realize they don't have to do this transition of becoming a civilian on their own, helping them to find gainful employment so that they can actually take care of themselves and take pride and find success outside of the uniform uh, then I think that's how we start to make an impact on that 22 and bring it down to 20, to 18, to 15, to 10, to 12, to five, to, to hopefully zero at some point in time. But that's my big, hairy, audacious goal is I want to bring that number 22 down as low as I possibly can in my lifetime. That's great. And I had a chance to go out to uh, Ohio. I got a chance to be the guest speaker at the Vet Ohio Expo. Um, it was great to get out there and connect with them. And I'm excited for what you're doing because we need it in our community, man. It's hard enough out here. You know, life is hard enough as it is without adding the pressure of entrepreneurship, without adding the background of being a veteran, not being around your tribe and everything. So we need people like you to bring the community together because community is so important. It's one of the things I'm always stressing, um, particularly to our listeners that are not in metro centers where they have, like you say, chamber of commerces or they don't have local meetups and stuff. But you got to get out there. I don't care if it's just you and Two more veterans. Y'all meet up at Chipotle or something. You know, just find your tribe and break bread. As we close 100%. out here, AJ, 
What words of encouragement would you like to leave with our listeners or pieces of advice as they continue on their own entrepreneurial journey? Um, I, I would say two things. One, don't let somebody else's failures limit your success. Um, and what I mean by that is that there are so many people out there that are scared to try things and scared to do things because they failed themselves. And they're, they'll be quick to tell you that you can't do this or you can't do that or you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. And the truth is, just because they failed doesn't mean that you will. Um, because we're all built different and we're, we all have our own callings and we all have our own things that we're, we're designed and created to accomplish. And so that's the second thing is that you were created uh, to overcome the challenges that you're struggling with right now. And just, to, just because they feel like a challenge and a struggle right now doesn't mean that they always will be. And so push through it. Don't let somebody else's failures limit your success and, and succeed, man, because you were built to succeed and you were built to overcome the challenges that you're working through right now. Great words of advice, man. Again, it's been an honor having you on today. His time is worth $10,000 a minute, y'all. And he gave us 45 minutes of it. AJ, where can people find you? How can they get a hold of you? And also, I want you to plug your book. Absolutely. So uh, AJOR.com, A-J-A-Y-O-R-R.com. Uh, I put my own website out there. So I'm getting more into personal branding. Um, and, and so... That's where you can learn more about me. Uh, if you want to check out the book, the book is called uh, "The Art of War in Digital." Uh, the Art of War in in uh, Business. Here, here we go. I got it right here. The Art of War in Business Technology. Uh, you can actually get that through the website as well. And so, any questions? Like I said, I do speaking um, on on different topics, and you can learn all about that on the website. So ajor.com uh, and you can check me out there and then all my social media links are linked there as well. So please follow me, connect with me, shoot me a message. Um, anything that I can do to help you along your journey, I would love to be a part of it. I'll be sure to include a link to your website in the show notes for all our listeners. Be sure to subscribe to the transition newsletter as well at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. And make sure y'all get plugged into the Bunker Labs ecosystem at BunkerLabs.org. We got programs that take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you alongside other founders and CEOs like AJ. So until next time, everyone, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.